Dear Father in Heaven, it is a privilege to be here in the quietness here, to be gathered about the Holy Word. Do Thou, O Lord, blessed unto us, and may the revealing hearts to receive Thy Word, the life-giving Word that is so important for us to hear and to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'd like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in Mark 2, chapter 2. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that, as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many And they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, 
but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth unto, on an old garment, else the new piece that filleth it up take it away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. The record that we read was at the time of Jesus' popularity. Jesus did miracles and they called the attention of the people and they flocked to him. And he used those occasions then to preach the word. In the previous chapter, after healing the leper, he says, don't tell anybody, just go to the, to the, to the priests. But don't tell it. And it was, uh, again, it was said. So we had to be very careful. At that time, his uh, place of stay was Capernaum, a city beside the Sea of Galilee. And it says here, it was noise that he was in the house. So we gather, it was done quietly, but the rumor of it anyway spread. And people flocked together. They came and, and he preached the word unto them. They crowded into that place. He says, there was not even room by the door. So there was a lot of people standing. Some were sitting. Because later on he says there were some sitting by. Maybe they were privileged. And here it doesn't say what he was preaching at the time. But it says, you know, it gives the account of the sick of palsy being brought there. Mentions that he was born of four, so this was a very serious case. It wasn't like other cases, like the one in the temple, no, that they brought and they put him down. This man had to be carried with the bed. And they knew him. It was Capernaum, the city. And Jesus did something remarkable here. You know, the Gospels, they are not, not a biography. They don't say that he, he taught uh, and he, this he was thinking and so forth. It just accounts what Jesus did and what he said. No. So it cannot, it, it cannot be argued with. So these are the facts. This is what he said. This is what he did. Now you be the judge what you do with it. And here we have, <clears throat> it says, when Jesus saw their faith, and says there, faith, so I assume it means also the, the, those that carried him. You know. This man, he was, in a way, he was privileged. The poor one at the pool of Siloam, he says he had nobody that would bring him 
when the water was moved and when there was a possibility of healing. But these were real friends. They really did not spare effort to carry him even in his bed. And it may not have been a bed like we use today, but it was something that he was using as a bed. And they brought him, and they could not come to him, and so they went on top of the roof. But friends, you know, and Jesus said he saw their faith. You know. They wanted him to bring to Jesus. Now, we need friends. And I'd like to talk a little bit about this. Jesus at times called his disciples friends. You are my friends because, you know, I share with you. I tell you what I'm going to do. I explain to you. Everybody needs a friend. Even in the church. Those that are married, they have, they should have their best friend right with them. Their spouse. They should be glad to be together. You know, one of the blessings of being hindered now and uh, and being in need, you know, we noticed, and my wife did comment, we spend a lot of time together. It is a blessing. Now, a friend is not just somebody that you like to be together with and, and uh, you know, like to hear things that you like to hear, but will also tell you things that you may not want to hear. But because that friend cares, he's going to tell you anyway. In Proverbs, there are a few verses. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born of adversity. Now, those that are famous and those that are rich, they have a real problem to know who is their friend. Because, they, yes, they want to be there because they benefit from them. But when adversity come, comes, are they going to be around them? Yeah. Somebody that, that was uh, in the concentration camp, a Jew, he used to say, he says, who are his friends? And he says, he would ask himself, would that person really hide him? <coughs> That was a real test. Would they be willing to hide him? That if it costs them. The friends tell you the truth. And we need to hear the truth. Because sometimes our perception of things are slanted. And perhaps even we think of ourselves more than we should think. Or that we are doing well, or we said this well, or so forth. And we need somebody that tells us the truth sometimes to make us realize you know, that it's not quite so. In Proverbs, it goes as far as saying, Proverbs 27, 6, open rebuke, with verse 5, is better than secret love. <coughs> Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, even if it really hurts. But because that friend really cares, he's going to tell you. And that's a, a real friendship then. That's not just based 
on what we hear, we like what we hear, and, and so forth. Now, <clears throat> those that are married have an advantage that they have a friend and should be really their best friend close by. And, and I must say that I, I sometimes hear things that I don't like to hear, but I need to hear. Now, those that are not married, you know, do you ask yourself, do you have friends? Are you lonely? What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, the Bible advises, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Maybe you are not the friend to others that you should be. There should be nobody really lonely. There's no excuse for that. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. you got to be a friend. you got to make an effort to be a friend if you want friends. And then, you know, a friend loved at all times. I think that's, again, in Proverbs. And these were true friends. You know, they really cared. They didn't mind the embarrassment, the inconvenience to carry that person, even up on the roof. Even up on the roof. And this man, he also had to have that faith, you know, in order not to protest to be taken up. And says, Jesus saw their faith, and he honored that faith. They went up on the roof, and it was not probably a, a roof like we have here, which would be very difficult to, to break up without, without tools. But it probably was a matter of, of beams and sticks, and then perhaps some, some, uh, some reeds on top of it. But they, they did pull it apart enough to let them ride down in the midst. Yeah. The only way they could think of to, to get the, their friend close to Jesus. They knew that here, this man, he was healing. And they wanted their friend to be healed. And they didn't spare the effort. Real friends. Now, the surprising thing to, to most of them there, and, and if you look at it too, but we have read the story before often, so we are not, not that surprised. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now here, the expectation was, of course, that a man should be healed. And Jesus said this. And whatever Jesus says, and whatever he does, he says he does the perfect will of the Father. So we can take it. We can take it that he, he, his father wanted me to say that, and he said it, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were thinking people there, uh, the scribes were sitting there, so they were somewhat privileged, and they reasoned in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone, only? They were right in that understanding. Only God can forgive sins. But here, you know, who is this person? Who is this person? See, <clears throat> we are so used to thinking in, in our terms of dealing with people and so on. If we hurt somebody, you know, yeah, we hurt him and we should go and ask for forgiveness. But the Bible teaches us first and foremost any wrong, any sin, any atrocity is first and foremost committed against God. They are His creature. They are His creature 
created in His image. They are in His property. The world is His. And anybody that violates anything that happens in your house, how would you feel about it? Or that belongs to you? So any sin, any sin is first and foremost against God. And that's why why, uh, David, after committing that horrific sin, and when, when, again, Nathan was a true friend, when he came and told them the truth, then David in Psalm 51 says, Against thee, against thee only, against thee, God, I have sinned. Yes, we need to go and ask forgiveness of the person as well. We should. Because it's a witness. It, it diffuses the Satan's accusation. Last Thursday, a brother shared with, even though when he was converted already, he remembered something that he had done before as a child. And it kept bothering him till he went back and made it right. So when we, when we repent, when we confess, even to people, it honors God, first of all. It calls Him righteous, that God is not part of any, of any wrong. He's righteous, and that's why in, Ro- in Romans 3 we read, that thou mayest be justified, that God may be justified when He judges. You acknowledge that He is righteous. It, uh, it diffuses the devil's... Uh, toehold, so to speak, to bring it back to you and say, see, you did this and you feel guilty till you made it right. I remember something too, you know, that I thought it was a minor thing at that time. And yet, it, you know, it, the Spirit kept reminding me. And if He keeps reminding you, for sure, He wants you to go back and take care of it. Otherwise, the devil has a way of using that in your weak moment, when you are down, when you're really weak, to use that to see, see, you are not right with God. No. It honors God. It takes away, it, it, it uh, dis- disarms the devil. No. It, it, it heals. And it's a witness to others. <clears throat> so, Yes, only God can forgive sin because at the end He's the judge. And even God because He's righteous because He's just He will not just gloss over and say oh, it's forgiven. That's why His name His name when we read it in in, in Exodus uh, 34 6 and the Lord passed before him, that is before Moses, when Moses asked God to show him his glory, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Isn't that encouraging? Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Yes, he can do that. That will by no means clear the guilty. Now, that was a puzzle. That was a puzzle. And that required the Son of God to take the blame, to take the punishment. Now, since God forgives sins only because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, what's easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, take up thy bed and walk? For God, all things are possible. He can. 
he spoke into existence the worlds and to raise one that is of palsy no challenge at all he can do all things but to forgive sins his son had to die in our stead so that's the question that everyone needs to answer for himself too as Jesus also posted, posted here says whether is it easier to say to the sick of palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk what is easier to the skeptics nowadays <laughs> they would say anybody can say thy sins be forgive thee and there are those that will say that and are not right with God they will say it's foolishness, but raise up the sick of palsy. Hey, that, that we will notice. That will be a, a, a barn a razor. But those that believe in the word of God, who have drawn close to the light, they realize what really is easier and what is not. To be told thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus said in another part, he says, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If he shall gain the whole world and yet lose his soul. His eternal soul. But again, it takes faith. It takes faith to believe that. Those that don't believe that, you know, when I read sometimes those, uh, I I guess uh, I'm I'm often laid up and... uh, you look at it and, and you look at some of the, the, those that argue so vehemently, so uh, 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 angry with, with the Christians. Uh, you know, they, they, they take things out, out, of, out of the Bible and, and they say, see, this is, this is. They have read the whole thing. They have given it a chance. They have come with a preconceived idea and, and they just love it. And... The admission of those atheists <coughs> that did eventually seek the truth and, and by God's grace did find it, they said, you know, when I was an atheist, I just liked it because it gave me license to do what I want, not to have to give account to anyone. And you give license to people uh, what they want, you see what happens. When there were restraints in the past, when the law even even condemned certain sins and certain activities and so forth, people are kept in check. When these checks are nowadays being done away, see what happens to those. Look at the lifestyle of those atheists. You know. One of the, f- the, the, the famous atheists that is often talked about, uh, Richard Dawkins, you know, you just read his biography. I think it's on his third marriage. I don't know whether that flounder too. Look at Ertan Russell, that's mentioned too, I think. And, and the reasoning that he uses says, oh, the Bible truly says, it says, don't answer a fool in his folly, lest thou be a fool. Some are past. They just are reprobates. No, they just, some of them started out religious, but they turned to them because they were hypocrites. And that's the danger with hypocrisy. If somebody is a hypocrite, he can end up losing his faith and end up being one of, the, one of the worst adversaries. <clears throat> but that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. You know, and that, humanly speaking, is an impossibility. 
if you have been laying for a while, even getting up and standing is a big problem. And this man who was so sick of palsy that they had to carry him in his bed, he got up, took up his bed, and went. And immediately arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. This is something new. This now called their attention. But it just calls their attention. Will they now believe also what Jesus says? Because that's why Jesus came. He didn't come just to heal the sick and raise the dead. He came to testify with the truth. When he stood before Pilate, they said, I came to, test the, to witness of the truth. He is the truth. The truth that we need to hear. The truth that must be proclaimed. The truth that must be believed and obeyed. And obeyed. And as he passed by, then he met Levi, the son of Alphaeus. And, and I guess another name I think is for him. That's Matthew. Matthew. Is, that's the more common name that we know him by. <clears throat> and he was at the receipt of custom. Uh, and that custom, uh, I guess, was Roman custom, you know, taxes, so to speak, that, they, that the people had to pay if they went through that area, you know, they had to pay that were for the Romans. And the Jews really hated that. They really hated They hated the Roman occupation. Some of them profited greatly by it. And those tax collectors usually were those that profited by it at the expense of their own people. And that's why they were really hated. They were really considered great sinners, the worst. And it's usually mentioned together. It says, <clears throat> as it says here also, it says, publicans, no, that was a publican, publicly employed, a tax collector, publican and sinners. They were usually mentioned in one breath. And Jesus told to that person, says, and he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. He arose and followed him. If Jesus would do the same thing to any of your friends today, you know, and you think back, oh, I remember I did this wrong and so, I feel guilty and so. But Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Would you get up, leave everything and follow him? Would you? As simple as that. Simple men. I guess all of them, if I kind of think perhaps John was more educated. The Apostle John, perhaps, or John and James. But most of them were simple men. And some of them were considered the worst sinners. And the Bible doesn't mince it. It's publican and sinners. And they associated with the sinners. And this Levi, now he then made a feast and, and invited all his friends. He was going to share this good news. No. He, 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 he openly admitted that Jesus was coming to him. He didn't hide that from his friends. As we may be sometimes tempted, you know, to play down a little bit. And they came and they sat all together there. And, and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners. They say unto the disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publican and sinners? Now there is a big difference when we when we uh, get together with 
with people that we meet, which may be sinners, but not on their terms. Not in doing those things they're doing, but on our terms. On our terms. On what's right. You don't just go to a bar and start to witness there, because that's an appearance of evil. Speak to them when they're sober. Don't throw your pearls before the swine so that you know they can make uh, fun of it because they're drunk. You know? But if they sober up, speak to them a word. When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole, whole, and when the Bible says whole, that means uh, you're healthy in this case, in this example, uh, spiritually whole, and remember that Jesus... When he, when he healed somebody, he was not just interested in healing them physically, no, but healing them also spiritually, to be made whole. That Jewish concept of being made whole, no, whole, like complete. They that have whole have no need of the physician. They don't need a doctor, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. And if you are convicted that you are a sinner, if you realize that you are a sinner, Jesus is calling. Well, his words go also out for the rest too. But those that don't realize that they are sinners, they have no need to be saved. They have no need. They don't need a Savior. They don't need a Savior. They don't need Jesus Christ. If they need, oh yeah, he's a good teacher. He teaches good morals. He's an interesting figure. He did important things in healing and so forth. But unless you need to be healed of your sin sickness into which everyone is born that comes into this world without exception, if you don't realize, you will say you don't need Jesus. Jesus came to save sinners. He calls them. And they need to respond. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we, we can see it here. Here, the Pharisees were right close by. The scribes in, in the previous example, they were right sitting there. They heard the same words. The same words they heard. But it did not benefit them. Even worse, they're going to be guilty. They're going to give account for having heard those words and not acting upon them. See, when you hear the gospel preached, it's not just it's the same now as before. No, no. Now you are guilty. Especially guilty. Yes, you were a sinner. You deserve that. You need a savior. But if you don't accept it, having heard the gospel, now you are even more guilty. And then the disciples of John and the Pharisees, they used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Now, it's interesting to see that the people that come, as they, they mention the, John, the, the, the disciple of John, that John the Baptist, they mention him together. Yet when Jesus asked them, says, Who is John? Who, is, who do you think John is? They didn't want to acknowledge this. They would say, well, if we say he's from, he came, uh, a teacher come from heaven, uh, like with approval for heaven, he says, you know, then why didn't you repent? Why didn't you listen to what he was saying? He preached, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And if we say of men, then we fear the people, because the people, they truly thought that John was a prophet, John the Baptist. And now they, they would be in disfavor, the people would get angry at them if they would say that. They were hypocrites. See? Hypocrites can hear all kinds of things. They're going to be guilty of what they heard, but it doesn't benefit them. So they bear mentioned to, both together, I notice here. <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them, alluding to himself, as long as he was with them? No, there was no need for fast. He provided for them. He taught them. He bore even their infirmities. He, he uh, put up with their squabbles, so to speak. No. He was with them. But there's going to be a time you know, when, 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 they, when they're going to be mature, when he's going to be gone. You know. They're going to fast. There are going to be times when they really need faith, strong faith. And, and to fast and pray is one way to strengthen your faith. Yeah, the Bible even says in some instances the only way to strengthen our faith is by prayer and fasting. Fasting, not eating. Not eating. Some say not even drinking. And to my understanding, what fasting does, you know, if you are so used to eating regularly, as soon as you miss a meal, you're going to notice it. They, they, they call it to be sober, not eating. And, and if it lasts, you know, it, it reminds you. But that's the reminding of, 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 of you being hungry then get to the next thought that, uh, oh, why I am doing this? And it brings you, you, again, your thoughts back while you're fasting, you pray. So praying and fasting is, is a strong uh, incentive, you know, to, to think about the things that we may pray about it, be reminded of it. That's how, if somebody has a better way of understanding it, let me hear it. <coughs> And then no man, he said, no man soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that fill it up, take it up from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles be demoured. But new wine must be put into new bottles. And so here, <clears throat> I guess we don't do a lot of patching anymore. You know, and, but after the war, when things were tight, you know, I, I did see often my mother patch clothes and, and even socks when there was a hole in there and it goes and it goes. And, but there comes a point when the things are so, so worn out, you know, that you put a new thing in, it doesn't hold. It's going to come out. And the bottles are not the bottles that we nowadays think of as glass bottles. Here, what they call bottles were wine skins. You know, when they, when they when they wanted to transport the wine, uh, when they wanted to store it, they stored it in jars. But when they wanted to transport it, they they took uh, animal skin, you know, turned it inside out, and filled it up and tied it up, and they could transport it. You know. Now, new wine, new wine. If you ever have made wine, you know, it takes time for it to to stop fizzing, to stop fermenting. And as long as it ferments, it creates gases, which increase pressure. So new wine, you have to be very careful. If you put it into old bottles, and it would keep fermenting a little bit, 
it would eventually bust the skins. But new skins, they were tougher, they're more flexible. You know? So new wine had to be put in new skins. Now what Jesus was alluding to was not just giving a lesson on, on how preserving wine or fixing clothes, but he was alluded to no, his preaching, his preaching, those that embraced it, they had to have a new beginning. It was not good enough just patch up things. It was not good enough try to be better. Oh, this, uh, I, I know I'm doing this wrong, so I'm going to stay away from here doing it. You find yourself in another area lacking. Yeah. And if you try, as long as you try to improve yourself with your own efforts, it's not going to work. Eventually it's going to bust. The Bible says, only a new birth. You must be born again. You must be born again. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter in the kingdom of God. So it must come down, completely down, no pretension. Complete humility. Giving up, acknowledging, I cannot do it. I need help. I need a Savior. And when you desperately need a Savior, He will help you. I lift you up. But to try to fix your own self doesn't work. Anybody that truly was converted can testify to this that our own efforts just didn't make it. Sooner or later we failed. Sooner or later the bottles burst. Only a new birth. <coughs> Jesus did those things, he said those things. We preach them, we testify of them, we testify that we have experienced those things that we read that the Bible is true, and it's up to everyone to decide for himself what to do with it. And as we said before, you can sit and hear all those things, you can see even the miracles, but unless you act upon it, it's not going to help you. You can become a real hypocrite. And hypocrites, there are many. There are many. And hypocrisy is perhaps the greatest damage to the spreading of the gospel. Hypocrisy. Jesus said, He does hear my words and doesn't do them. is like a foolish man. Him that had ears to hear, let him hear. He said on many occasions. That's the conclusion. There is a friend that will always tell you the truth, that will be always there, even when everyone forsakes you. We have a hymn that says, What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. He never fails us. He showed so much how much he cares. Now, <clears throat> many of the miracles. Jesus did in Capernaum. He stayed there. A good portion of his ministry stayed there in Capernaum. And it was the city, I guess, of Peter and John and James and, and also Matthew. He did many miracles. But toward the end, he had to say, you know, Capernaum, you have been lifted up to heaven because of mighty works that were done there. Jesus lived there. He says, you shall be cast down to hell because they did not receive him. Yes, there might be a few and among them the disciples that did heed and follow him. 
the majority did not. And because they did not, says the Capernaum is cast down to hell. What a warning. Not to take it lightly when we hear the word of God. May the Lord bless this word. To him God, the honor of God, everyone. Amen.